Hello everyone, my name is Roy Peretz and I'm here in San Diego with my husband Ron Thurston. We left New York City four months ago to live in an airstream, travel across the U.S. to discover this beautiful country and rediscover ourselves. It had been a while since I recorded a podcast. We crossed many states and cities since Glacier in Montana, and I needed time to think rather than speak. That changed when we met Mandy and Cliff Brown in Malibu, California. We were scheduled to be in the same campground in San Diego a couple of weeks later, and as we reconnected over dinner, I found thoughtful and articulate partners to chat about our journey. If our conversation sparks something within you, or you have a drop-the-coconut moment that you would like to share, I would love to hear it from you. You can find me on Instagram at dropthecoconut, on LinkedIn and Facebook. I hope you enjoy it, and thank you so much for jumping on our coconut wagon today. Cliff and Mandy Brown. How are you guys? Good. How are Great. you? I'm pretty good. Uh, we are here with you, and Ron is sitting watching us and smiling away. I actually saw your rig in Malibu. And as I pass by, I see a link posted on the rig. And that's the way I got to know you guys. Yeah. RootDownFam.com. There you go. So instead of me telling about you, why don't you say a little bit about yourself and how did we end up here? Sure. You want to go for it? No, go for it. All right. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for having us. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, long story short, abridged, is uh, a year and a half ago, we sold our house after a year of being at home, working, schooling in the pandemic. Uh, we have two kids, a nine and 14-year-old, and uh, <clears throat> we had a bit of an awakening where we decided that the most important thing was our time with each other versus climbing the corporate ladder or making more money, uh, which we were doing fine with, uh, but that isn't our meaning. So... We decided to make Root Down, which is a play on words. It's R-O-U-T-E, like Route 66, and an old Beastie Boys jam, Root Down, if you're familiar, <laughs> uh, which is Mandy's favorite band. But uh, yeah, we've been out here for a year and a half, living the dream, getting to show our kids the world, and um, we love it. Best jump we've ever made. Nice. Yeah. Mandy, you want to say a little bit about yourself? We would have never done this, to be clear, if it wasn't for the pandemic. We yeah. really didn't know our priorities um, would be this because our kids, we, you know, we did the, the whole rat race, but this, um, the pandemic kind of shook the sense into us. Yeah. And I think that for us, it was similar, but I try to explain to myself how it happened. And I realize every time I think about it, that it wasn't a day, it wasn't a moment in time. It was a buildup that happened over many years instead of just like one day we woke up and decided to do it. So was it the same for you? Was it a buildup towards that point? For for me, I had for years, like you said, building up, always had this thought in my mind that I was going to turn around, um, be senior age and realize that I spent all of my time working. I continued to run into these articles where folks were on their last few days and they'd say, what do you regret? What, what would you have done different? Uh, I would have spent more time with my family. I would have cared less what everybody thought. And they had a pretty short list of things that they wanted to do different. And I wasn't adhering to that. So I, I definitely had to build up. But I had a moment 
that that pushed it over the edge, which was we were watching a movie called Coraline, and my daughter was sitting with us, and we were watching the movie. And in the movie, the dad, he's a workaholic. He just sits at his computer typing all the time. He's a nice dad. I mean, he cares for his daughter. But when she shows up, he tells her to go count windows, basically pound sand, go do something else. I'm busy making a living. And when the dad showed up on the screen, she didn't realize what she was saying, but she tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, dad, that's you. I said, oh, no, this is I'm doing it wrong. And that was the moment that we decided that we have to make a change. Little does she know that you changed the course of the family's life. The whole trajectory. (laughs) So I would be happy to hear a little bit about what you do. um, What did you do before you left on this amazing journey? And then maybe a little bit about what was your journey since you started? I was an EVP for a chemical company for 18 years, and I retired in December of 2021 to do this. Yeah, she was uh, <clears throat> she was the boss. She did fantastic growing these multi-million dollar companies, and you know I think that um, she was she was winning the rat race, if you will. I I am still a corporate manager for uh, Best Buy. Um, although I've reduced my time pretty significantly uh, when we decided to make this jump. And, uh, you know, being based in Dallas, uh, we sold our house a year ago. The market was great, so mm-hmm. we, we decided that was the best course of action. But um, at the same time, I had gone back to school to get my undergrad yeah. at Penn State. And uh, so that, that was our first stop, actually. So we drove from Texas to Penn State because I got to walk mm-hmm. when I got my degree, and that was, that was great fun. Um, but that was the starting point for our entire journey, and we drove up through the Northeast. And I don't know if, what, what else you want to tell them about Dallas, what we did there. My job was very demanding. I was putting in 16-hour days. I was having health issues. I developed an autoimmune disease, which, you know, really, really don't know where that comes from. It could be hereditary or, you know, they just don't know where it comes from. But, you know, it could be from stress. So I was having these health issues. I was having vertigo and I think that it all just has to do with the way I was white knuckling my days, just grind, 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 work, work, work. And after I retired in December, I haven't had a single episode of vertigo. My autoimmune disease has been in check. I've gone longer and longer and longer without my injections. I'm actually what, almost three months into not having my very expensive autoimmune disease medication. So I'm actually wondering if I can go off of that now. Lucky that I mean, I don't even need it, which would be magic. Beautiful. I would love that. But the, um, the step away, the letting go of this job was huge for my health. Yeah. And we talked about it off, uh, off recording a minute ago, um, that you, that how many times in our lives we try to find all the other reasons that are causing this. Sure. Right. Like, yeah. How many times we're like, oh yeah, it's it's actually. I mean, we say it's actually the it's the AirPods. Yeah, it's the it's looking at screens too much. Yeah. It's like all these things. You just go through a list of things trying to make a reason for that without really dealing with the real reason of why this is happening to exactly. me. Exactly. It's been amazing to watch the change. She was killing it as an officer of her company, putting in the hours, doing what everybody would say is the successful thing, and that was phenomenal. Super proud of her. Still am. Um, but it was wearing her out to a point to where she wasn't who she wanted to be. And 
the fact that she was able to make that change, it was not easy for her to stop being an officer. Um, the new company that, that purchased her former is they were pursuing her and she had to say no, which was really tough yeah. for her, but she got her health back. Yeah. At least it appears that way that that was the driving factor. Yeah. Dropping so. the coconut, right? Mm-hmm. This dropping, is coconut. dropping the coconut moment. Let go of this job. Uh, whoever you are out there, it's causing you stress. Uh, totally, it's the same. It's the same that we we have all experienced, and it's amazing that we are from different um, areas of of work. We do different things, but we all recognized it at some point, and I'm sure other people recognize it too. And sometimes don't want to let go yet, or maybe don't want to let go at all. And sometimes they want to let go, but they don't know how. What's going to happen next? Was it was it a moment of like? Of, of fear of what's going to happen next. Because for me, for example, I knew that I'm done and that's it. I know that what happened next can only be better. But were you still trying to cling to it and like... Ugh. Absolutely. I was holding on for dear life. Yeah. It was really hard for me to let go. I've worked since I was 14. Like I am a workaholic, self-proclaimed, can't help it. Yeah. It's in my genes. But it was really hard to let go. Yeah. Um, I would have had a hard time just handing off my duties... As I was working, you know, normally I am a work hoarder. I like all my stuff the way I like my stuff. I have a hard time trusting other people can do a good as job, you know, do the job as good as I do it because yeah. I, you know I'm the I'm. It's me. I'm yeah. going to do the best job. So yeah, it was very hard to let go, but it got easier as those days went by. Letting go, <laughs> it got and never a lot going easier. back. Never ever ever going back. Yeah, when you realize you made the right decision and you start reaping the benefits of that change, it it, um, it definitely gets easier. So I reduced my schedule at work, um, and I still haven't fully let go. I think I'm still dropping the coconut to some degree. So yeah. I actually put my notice in, and I was dropping the coconut, and it was re- responded with, well, don't don't completely drop the coconut. Here's yeah. why it's a good idea. Yeah. And you know everybody needs health benefits, especially when you have a family of four with, with health issues. Uh, so that's the reason for me holding on to the coconut. But I find that I, I really need the health benefits because I'm maybe a little less healthy from the stress that comes from work. So there's this catch-22 vicious cycle that um, maybe I would visit the doctor less if I didn't have such a stressful job. Yeah. And that's that's tough to grapple with because I don't, I don't want to be wrong. Um, we still need health benefits and yeah. the extra money is nice too, but... It's uh, it's that coconut that I'm I'm personally struggling with right now, where I know I could be spending my time doing other things, maybe even advancing my health a bit, a bit more, and I just have not. I'm still here. Yeah. I still love the company I work for. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of upside to it, of course, but um, it is taxing for sure. It's the unspoken cycle of you go to work, they put you in stress, and they say I'm going to give you a benefit of health insurance. And then the health insurance is the one that helps you get off stress or try to deal with whatever happens to you from that stress. And then you can't really leave because you can't get health insurance if you're not employed somewhere. So this cycle of like keeping you at work, but giving you benefits that you can get if you don't work is kind of like... It is. It's super tough. And that is a very real thing. And I'm not 20 years old anymore. So the the need for health health benefits is very real. And yeah. How do you slip out into an area that still allows you to maintain to some degree, but gives you energy back? Yeah. It's, I still get a ton of energy from my job by interacting with people. I'm an extrovert. I love interacting with people. I love being their counselor when they're having a tough time because I feel like I can help them. Uh, but some of the more functional parts of my job in the strategy and driving you know, market share and I, I, 
I get stressed out from that. Yeah. It's no, nowhere near as fun for me. So yeah. there's this, how do, I, how do I do more of one than the other? And I think that's the game that I'm in right now. Yeah, it's really about tilting that scale from one end to another. And um, when I talk about dropping the coconut, it's probably a bag of coconuts, right? It's It seems like it's one, but it's probably many and many and many. And I throw them out of the window and out of that, and I still find some rolling around around here. But I think the one thing that we realized also, and realized for myself, that change takes time. It's again, it's like this moment that uh, we did this, but it was building up for many years. Right. The same thing that you're doing is tilting the scale slowly. Just, don't just flip the cart and have it all rolled out. You're kind of like, I'm going to throw it one by one and get lighter and probably accumulate other coconuts on the other exactly. end because someone is throwing, I don't know if your kids or Mandy is throwing some coconuts at right. you from the other side just to balance it out. <laughs> but um, but it's it takes time. It takes time to make that change. And it's good that it takes time. And the minute that you forgive yourself that things are not happening at the moment and you give things time to happen, they kind of happen naturally. And I found it more fulfilling that it happens naturally because I still do things on the side but I'm inching towards something else that is bigger right. or better for me that I think that is going to be better for me. Right. Yeah, like when we made this jump, it was very methodical, moving one coconut at a time, if you will, finding out the risks, you know, everything from the job to the graduation, to the kids. How do you vote? How do you pay taxes? Where do we go? Yeah. What are we going to live in? How do you yeah. sell the house? The list is lengthy, and that all by itself is stressful. But when you get into the mode and the swing of things and you get some momentum about your change – you can really start to move some coconuts. And yeah. it's, you find yourself on June 1st of 2021 having sold your house, yeah. living in a rig, and everybody is smiling at each other. You've, yeah. you've become minimalist and you're getting ready to leave Texas. And uh, that was, there's some reward, I think, in it, in actually making the change. Stressful, but it's a good stress at the end because it's the change is worth it, has been worth it. Yeah. I find it interesting that in this journey, you meet a lot of people on the road that are doing the same thing. Some of them are here for a weekend. Some of them uh, live full time. And every one of them had this moment of letting go. And when you do this for a certain amount of time, it looks very normal. But getting to this mindset that I can do this, I can be on the road, I can move from one place to another, um, is something that you kind of have to get used to, even when you start doing it. We had a very long time um, understanding what are we doing exactly we were not sure and we were trying to figure out as we go but now it looks kind of normal and the other day we were visiting friends here that live in San Diego and they have a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood and I was like mm, yeah this is what I don't want to do yeah I'm not sure that I want to do that so do you see yourself now that you're in this habit do you see yourself doing this I'm continuing doing this and I absolutely have no desire to have a big house again. We had, you know, four bedroom house, we had five bathrooms, we had two three car garage, two attics, two yards. No desire to ever go back to that. It's too much. We don't need it. Yeah. I, we it was filled with meaningless crap that we ended up just giving away. Yeah. I just don't I don't want that either. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. we were No we were... desire. Really great consumers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's strange how we talk about consuming things because uh, this lifestyle makes you rethink that, what you need in life, how, how much can you fit into what you have? Do you think that changed also for your kids and what they view as 
consuming or what they need, their needs changed? I would say that uh, to some degree, um, having a teenager now and a nine-year-old, as soon as they become connected to any form of media, television, internet, or otherwise, it is um, priming them to go out. There's advertisements everywhere, and they are they know what they want. They said, oh, I want that. And because they haven't really developed the, the discipline yet to understand what they're seeing, they constantly want new stuff. But we have very a very small amount of space to put mm-hmm. it. So they are also being, uh, I would say, um, groomed to be minimalists, which is really, really important to us. Because we did, like to her point, we had just two attics full of things that we never looked at. Things yeah. that we bought and then we put away and they meant nothing. Yeah. So why, why would we do that to ourselves? Was it hard to let go of these things? Because I know that when I looked through the stuff that I had in drawers... I was picking them up and I was like, oh, that thing. I, I remember that. That brings up a memory. Right. And then you're like, do I really need it? And some things were really difficult to let go. But then I told Ron, if I didn't look at this for the past five years, I probably should not 100%. have it. Was it the same thing? Absolutely. Um, we actually had a situation, I guess, about three weeks ago where I had an old dish towel, one of my cleaning rags from the old house. Like, I, don't ha- I don't have much but this old cleaning towel, it was, I cleaned up a spill and I threw it in the car, the garbage. I'm like, it's, it's time. Yeah. Toss yeah. it. Done. <laughs> My daughter lost her mind. That's from the old house. You have to keep it. It's the, <laughs> it's, it's a memory. It's sentimental. And I thought, oh no, we still haven't taught her that not to be a hoarder. Like don't, yeah. we don't need this old dish towel. Yeah. So that was a, that was a learning experience for her, but. Letting go of the stuff in our house was hard at first, yeah. but once you get going, it's like That's you a, want to get rid of all the stuff. That's a really good exercise. I think that you need to do it periodically. We did a big exercise where we dumped out all the addicts and the kids practice with us, getting rid of things that they didn't need, donating them to kids that could use them, mm-hmm. a lot of toys. Yeah. But it's been a year and a half, so now she has that connection, that sentiment to the rag that means really nothing. And- we we practice that. I hate to get off on a tangent here. Tibetan monks practice this art where they take all of this sand and they build these beautiful, it takes days to build it. And they have just tons of hours with multiple monks building this thing. And at the end of it, after they've created this really beautiful piece of art, they destroy it. Mm-hmm. And it's this practice in letting go. Yeah. And I try to tell my kids about this and we YouTube it occasionally. And they're like, why would they do that? Yeah. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's it's... It's a principle of life. Everything eventually changes, comes to an end. And even that one little rag for her was tough. Yeah. So we got to practice it. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting that you say that because I um, I had in the past few days traveling through California, a sense of home. And I was trying to understand where the sense of home comes from. And it's from the environment, it's from the weather, it's from the geography. And I think it's something that we maybe develop as we, as we grow is connecting things to things that we love or things that remind us of things that we love. And maybe at a young age, it's a sense that is not yet fully developed and you get attached to a pillow or you get attached to right. uh, to, a, to a rag or something like that. And maybe with time, you start developing this um, idea that it's not about the thing, but it's about a certain feeling of home. 100%. It's not about home as a structure and the things that are inside it, but what is the feeling of home? So 
I don't know if for you guys today, when you look at your travel and you let go of all the material things that kept you in place, like ours, um, if you travel through and you say, this reminds me of home, and it's not the, the need to go there, but it's the, the need to recognize something in it that is a part of you. Right. And I, I think that's spot on. We are trying to, not only for our kids, but ourselves kind of remold how we think about things and that feel they've never been homesick. It's yeah. actually 17 months in, and until recently, they haven't talked about the old house, but I think they have these fond memories that it almost kind of masks itself as um, something distant or maybe something that is gone, and it's not. The family's still here, and they have some things, but this shaping a person who is comfortable at arriving to some place new, going through some change, and finding something in it that makes them feel comfortable yeah. and at home is exactly what we're trying to get to. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think it might take some time, but our son has a ton of anxiety. He would always avoid change. He, he was terrified of starting school, being on a soccer field, and now he changes every few days, mm -hmm. and he's making new friends. Yeah. <laughs> that hump is behind him to some yeah. degree. Yeah. So, I find it interesting that we travel without kids, and we experience this whole thing as adults, uh, and you travel with kids. So... What happens, and this is just through my eyes, and correct me if I'm wrong. So you as an adult are going through a change through this journey. And we are kind of the same generation, so we can kind of understand that change. And then we look at, for example, your kids who are doing this through a completely different lens. Because they have different experiences. They, as you say, haven't been attached really to a place and time, and they're, they're not homesick. Do you guys see that difference of how you adjust to whatever is happening and how your kids adjust? And you're like, oh, wait, they're doing it better than us. Or at some points, are you looking at it and like, yeah, we're doing it better than them, but they're going to get better at it. Do you see that difference? Or you move as one unit and everybody sees that just this is the world, this is what's happening. We sometimes have to, to pump the brakes and remember that they are not us. And they have different needs from us. And those days can be hard because we're really pushing them to do things that, that we think they should just sh shut up and roll with, but they do have different needs. So that's a constant struggle, I think. So I think that we are always assuming that we're pilot in command, that we know better um, because we're the adults. And that's very hierarchical of us where neither one of us came from authoritarian families. We're more diplomatic in nature, but um, we find ourselves being the parents and pulling pulling the rank card occasionally, but we have been practicing ourselves, communicating with a nine-year-old, communicating with a four-year-old, 14-year-old. How do you feel? What do you see? Are you having a good time? Are you happy? And asking them to do some self-reflection because sometimes they do see it differently and their approach is just fundamentally different than ours. There's less bias. It's a, it's a raw emotion on how they feel. And uh, it, it takes a lot of practice on our part to listen and hear it and maybe even follow their path. My 14-year-old is clearly becoming an adult because he's getting smarter by the day. And I find mm -hmm. that if I just shut up and let him do his thing, <laughs> he's gonna, he's, he might even outshine me. Yeah. You know, and that's, it, that takes practice, but it's super cool. And it's comforting because when he leaves the nest and she leaves the nest, you want them to be, as a parent, that's the whole point. You want them to be happy, healthy, and successful. Yeah. And whatever that means. So yeah, and the other day we were uh, we were having dinner here in the campground in San Diego, and you you talked a little bit about community and the search for community, and it made me wonder uh, because this adjustment to this lifestyle, 
I think that we still look at things as the way that we were taught that they should be. Like, oh, if you're in one place, then you grow a community and you have the kids that you go to school with every day. And, and this is the way that we kind of learned how to grow. And when you talked about it, about searching for community or the need for community, I was wondering if, um, for example, if you feel that your kids... Are they searching for community because we want them to have a community, or are they searching for community if they're searching for it because this is a part in human nature that needs to be um, happening for them? Right. And I think a lot of the things that we are teaching our kids and searching for them, it's because of the things that we are looking within for ourselves. But I'm not sure that when we uh, let these young adults become adults, We know exactly what they need because they can craft their own world, put them in that situation, and they'll craft a new world for themselves. Right. And maybe they'll prove that communities are a thing of the past. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to attempt to keep this uh, within 30 minutes. I, <laughs> I 100% agree, and I believe that community um, should be a tool to arrive to a certain result, outcome, benefit of some sort. And that to, to create these communities, just to create communities, are actually counterproductive. And there's, an, there's a laundry list of reasons why. Um, but we have been successful out in the field here, traveling around largely without adding ourselves to another community. I'm wearing a Republic of Nomad shirt. It's the first group that we really joined. Um, and we did that for our kids because we want them to be socialized and, and develop. But... You know, outside of their personalities, they're doing just fine. They still know how to interact. They know how to communicate. Our son, this is a nature versus nurture conversation. He is very uh, introverted and comfortable being on his own without interacting with too many people. And he's just going to get it done on his own. Mm -hmm. he's, he's a do-it-myself type of person. My daughter, on the other hand, as capable as she is, she is super social. And I think she gets some of her energy and some of her juice from hanging out with others. There's maybe some validation, some learning, all the things that come with being social or in a community. But I don't think it's always necessary. And I, I, I agree that I, I think we're teaching them that community can be a tool to get something done. Mm -hmm. Not absolutely necessary. Um, but I, I don't think we've been so direct with them about it. I think that they might get it in some other form later. I agree. I don't need community. Mm -hmm. I'm <laughs> not just an introvert. I just don't need other people. I can do things on my own. I, I can hang with people and I can socialize with people. But I don't need I don't need that for me. I have two childhood friends that are my only friends until like three months ago. I got dropped into this mom's chat, which for me was super confusing because I'm not that mom chat person. It was super annoying at first because I was getting alerts nonstop. I'm like, these women are crazy. I don't have time to talk to them. <laughs> But it's what I didn't know that I need were these moms that they actually give me life that I didn't know that I needed and they're the kind of people that you can talk to them and then not talk to them and then just pick back up so they're yeah. not needy but again you can take it or leave it I don't need that but if I if I want to I can jump in and jump out yeah I think that one of the things that we learned and I learned this through looking at Ron for example when thinking about community is that My idea of community, if you asked me 10 years ago, would be the group of people that you're around, in the neighborhood that you live, in the people that you go to work with, 
uh, the people that you hang out with, that's my community. But then uh, looking at Ron, for example, doing his uh, retail tour, you realize that a community is something also that uh, a person that works in retail in San Diego and a person who works in retail in New York, who have never met, by the way, are a community of the retail uh, exactly right of the retail employees in the country. And it's amazing that when they meet, They have so many things to talk about they've never they've never right. talked a minute in their life but they can sit now and talk for five hours about retail because they're part of that community right so my thinking in what we're doing and maybe what you're teaching your kids and you can agree or disagree to that but what you're teaching your kids is that um, maybe we're a community of uh, of humans yeah. who wherever we go we can pick up a conversation with anybody right and we can relate to anyone and what a skill is that to have to step into a new campground or a new state or a new town or a new state park and see the neighbor that is right there and being able to communicate with him even though we've never met right. but you're not my community you're you're in my you're in my in my zone here and I'm in your zone and we're gonna make something out of that right we and When we do that, it's not only a skill for them, but we have, I don't know what it is, I feel compelled, Mandy feels compelled. I mean, you have this podcast. I mean, what is compelling you to do that except for maybe to communicate out a better way to live and to coexist? At least, at least in, for me, that's what it is. And I'm not sure that where that comes from, but here we are sitting together, part of this RV community, yeah. meeting in Malibu, Malibu a few weeks back, hanging out together, having dinner, talking about all the ins and outs of RVing, about what we're trying to accomplish, community. And this is like to, to your point, the power of community and it's not necessarily something that we called each other about ahead of time and said, hey, we're going to develop this community now right we're gonna, it's very formalized and a little rigid. It's just naturally happening. It's yeah. occurring. So yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that uh, looking at everything that we have done so far, uh, one of the one of the most impressive things for me were the ability to meet other people and talk to them. I was In New York, I was very much like going to work, doing what I have to do, going back. If you're in my way right now, then you need to move because I'm walking very fast and I need to get where I need to get. And there is a sense here um, that anybody around us is understanding what you're going through, right? Like people who do the same thing can relate to it very quickly. Even though we haven't shared anything we said of a dinner and we laughed at so many things that are happening to both of us at the same time. That are very similar, the way that we consume our time, the way that we look at technology, the way that we even pulling that thing in and out of places, so many shared experiences that kind of tie this all together and make it very easy to relate to one another and then dig in deeper and understand oh what's what's going on in there what's yeah. what's happening um, We have met so many people that I didn't think that going into that situation we would be able to communicate. But we had such wonderful conversations and some great friendships that grew up from this. I love that. That's so right on. And maybe what we need right now, um, it's I know that this is not a political conversation, but like just where we are as a country in the state of divide and how things are, maybe that's exactly what we need. We pull into campgrounds all the time where people have put their flag up um, and we don't necessarily agree with what they're sharing. We know that there's going to be a difference there. But to your point, when you meet these people, And we don't talk about the things we disagree with and we have to sort the most complex issues out right here and now yeah. everybody we meet at their core is really pretty decent they yeah. they help you park they talk to you about what to do and what not to do problems to avoid it has nothing to do with the banner that they're flying it's just 
people are being people with each other. And I think sometimes we forget about that. Yeah. And it, it just kind of happens if you let it, if you don't drive your focus to one thing and get to know somebody on a different level, it's, it's really, um, it's kind of reassuring in humanity, honestly. And it yeah. happens outside the RV community. It happens everywhere. Yeah. But. It's more difficult to recognize that outside of the RV community. Because in New York, it's very difficult to see that. <laughs> and it happens every day, I'm sure. I'm sure that it happens in uh, Texas, where you guys are from, every day. And it's very difficult to see that. And I've said it before that um, on this podcast, I've said it before that if I walked into any situation with my agenda on my forehead, I would meet someone else's agenda. Right. But to your point, we've been around uh, people from different uh, views and beliefs and walks of lives. And the initial thought in my head was, oh my God, well, what are we going to do? We're not going to, let's just close everything. And they were the nicest people, actually. Right. Um, and the most like, generous people with us, knowing the way that we live and we know the way um, whatever political views they come from. But we were having a really great conversations, really great moments. And that's only because we did not put our agenda on our forehead right. and stepped into the wild with it. We're not trying to be persuasive, believe the way that I believe, do the things that I do. It was something just completely different. Right. And even when someone puts it in your face, if you're willing to let go of the statement that they put in the moment to put their fence up, you're willing to say, you know, I'm going to take a brick of that fence down right now and show you that we can, we can actually do different exactly yeah yeah and there's some learning on both sides yeah i'm yeah. sure i'm sure that there are yeah mm -hmm. i'm sure that there are so for us we kind of jumped off and and made it happen i think for a lot of people maybe it's not the best solution is there any change in mindset that you can uh, reflect on and share with other people who probably or maybe cannot do this whatever we're doing here like jumping selling the everything and just going on a trip across country with their kids maybe there is something that um, people can take from the experiences that you're having and apply to their lives and start dropping so coconuts is there anything that you can share yeah so i would actually say that when you're in focus on whatever that thing is uh, that you're currently doing you don't have to change it all at once and we made a pretty substantial change but it didn't start with having the household It started with a s one single change. And I would say that that one single change, RVing may not be your thing, is to reflect on, ask yourself, where do you want to be? What makes you happy today? Um, and when we start exercising like that and reflecting on that, you start getting to understand yourself a little bit better. And I think we have been primed to think that you have to work and you have to do certain things. And we certainly have to pay for our, our bills and responsibilities. So you can't just throw those out the window, but... You can begin to reflect on where you want to be. You can begin to change piece by piece. To your point, the, the individual coconut change one at a time, right? It's, that's the piece of advice or, or direction that I give anybody, whether they're an employee of mine or a friend of mine. You don't have to change everything today. You can change a lot by changing one small thing. And if that one small thing is giving yourself time to reflect on what you want to be and where you want to be, what you want to do, that can be huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that sounds very, it sounds very simple and it is simple, um, but sometimes we don't give enough credit to these small changes. These small changes seem like, oh, that's, that's nothing. What is this going to do? What is, what is that going to do? But these changes add, right? They add up. They do. And at the end of, the, uh, at the end of a year-long process of making small changes you're like 
Holy shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Can I say holy shit on my podcast, Ron? Yeah, okay. Holy shit. <laughs> We've made a big change, yeah. right? That's exactly what happened to us. So there, I currently struggle with some anxiety. And I've been reading a book called The Anxiety Cure, which all, if people are familiar with the secret and manifestation, or if they want to keep it more science-based around the way the human brain works and neurology, um, if you begin to reflect and think about those small changes, you begin to move towards them and you can actually begin to build. But if you don't think about them at all, you don't think or dream about where you want to be, uh, you have a tougher time. You can begin to make it real if you just spend some time on yourself. You yeah. don't have to do anything except yeah. for think yeah. and reflect yeah. and dream. Take a moment. Right. Take a moment to breathe. Yeah. Where are you guys heading? We are heading. Where are we heading? Okay. <laughs> don't put I me love on the that. Spot. <laughs> put me on the spot. I'm like, I can't think. Brain You're doing awesome. Down. We, from here, we're going to Vegas to spend some time with some friends for a week. We're going to do a little Friendsgiving to get together. And then we head to utah yeah we're gonna do thanksgiving in zion we're gonna do grand canyon we're heading to back to dallas for uh christmas with her parents and yeah. then we're gonna dip our toe in the international pool and spend a couple weeks in germany and uh, nice. that's eventually where we want to be uh, we want to continue traveling until you know maybe something in our life changes but yeah i love that yeah it was so great to have a conversation with you i'm inspired by your story when i thought about doing that podcast and meeting people out there i was hoping to have these conversations and i'm happy that we connected thanks to your slogan on your rv tell me more about that slogan this is not a trial run right yeah that's um so we have this philosophy that um you know for us in our awakening that for us it's rving and traveling and seeing the world that may not be the same for everybody so our slogan is uh, whatever that thing is for you don't wait this is not a trial run Uh, meaning that you may not get your time back. You won't get your time back. You should go out and live your life and do what you want to do. I'm happy that we had this moment to chat about it. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you for having us. It's been great. It's been so nice to meet you guys. Thank you for listening. To follow the Brown family on their amazing trip and learn more about them, Look them up on Instagram at RootDownFem and their website, RootDownFem.com. If you are inspired, reach out to me. I would love to hear your story. And maybe we can drop a few coconuts together. Who knows? If you share this podcast with someone you love, I wouldn't be mad at you at all. And I'm grateful that you curved the moment out of your time to join us. Until the next time, drop some coconuts in 3, 2, 1.